0: Welcome back to the Apostles' Mailbox, where we seek to build up the bride of Christ. Now, today we have some good news for you. Yep, that's right, good news. Everybody loves good news. Uh, so, what is it? The good news we're talking about today is what Christians often refer to as the gospel. What is the gospel. If you've been around churches, around Christians long enough, you might have heard somebody say, well, I like uh, I like it when pastors preach the gospel, or do you know the gospel? And the gospel uh, really is an English translation of a Greek word that simply means good news. But often when Christians use this word, we capitalize the G uh, to to refer to it as a specific, a very specific set of good news. And so today I think a, a reminder is in order of what that good news truly is. There are many things that you could hear that are good news, right? You get to work and your boss says, hey, you've got a raise that's good news. Uh, Your wife says we're pregnant, that's good news. Uh, Your kid says I got an A on my report card, that is good news. There are many good news proclamations that you can have, uh, but in terms of Christianity, there's a very specific set of good news, uh, and that sometimes, I think, gets overshadowed in our churches, um, because The good news sort of gets seen as a starting place, but then we move beyond that and we do many church things and we get wrapped up in many church ideas, many Christian religious ideas that cause us, if we lose sight of the gospel, of the the real big good news, they cause us to sort of get misformed in our Christian development. And so I wanted to look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 today with you, because the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 uh, sets out this good news and in a way that, um, yeah, it speaks for itself. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 5. i are going to read here in the English Standard Version, as I usually do. It's a pretty uh, reliable translation of the Greek, um, which is what this letter would have originally been written in. Uh, but I've got the an IV here as well, if you want to peek at that. So, uh, first, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, Paul writes, he says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, that is, having in, in our mind this idea that God is righteous, and he is holy, uh, and he will judge wrongdoers, uh, he says, we know that fear of the Lord, we know that he's somebody not to be taken lightly, and so we persuade others. Uh, and he's defending himself in his apostolic ministry. He says, what we are is known to God, uh, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. He's, he's saying, um, God knows who we are and what our job is because he gave it to us. Uh, and so we're not really concerned, he said, verse 12, we're not commending ourselves to you again, uh, but giving you cause to boast about us uh, so that you may be able uh, to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart, and and what's happening here is that there's sort of this. Uh, Paul has been accused of not being a legit apostle, and some of these other super apostles are out, and they call themselves super apostles. They're out doing amazing things, and then Paul says, if you if you want to understand uh, who we are and what we've done, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you these things that we have done. What God's calling for us is, and God already knows it. Uh, we don't feel like we have to prove to yourself that we're worthy of this. Uh, respect but we were we are going to tell you something so that when you're talking to others about us you'll have ammunition perhaps if it, if if you want to look at it that way. And so in verse 13, he says, if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. There's something going on here with this sort of apostolic calling where uh, Paul does things that the world sees are crazy. And they think they're crazy, really. Um, and, and Paul says, well, what God asked me to do, that's what I do. And so, um, and then he says, he uh, says, if we're in our right mind, of course, if we're talking logically, if we're, if we're trying to make things clear and, and, and understandable to you, it's for your sake. And then he, he makes this point. He says, For the love of Christ controls us uh, if, if you look over in the NIV, you see this word compels us. Sometimes you might be more familiar with the translation that says the, the love of Christ compels us. And, and why does the love of Christ uh, push us on and call us to do these things? And it's this, he says, because we have concluded this, we know this, we are convinced that one has died. That is, Jesus has died for all. Therefore, all have died so everybody who is in Christ, Paul has this picture, which is quite a remarkable statement that as Christ died, then our deaths were actually um, enacted in the death of Christ on, on the cross. And so when he died, uh, we who are with him also died. Our, our sin penalty, our, the, the, the punishment of death that we deserved, was satisfied on the cross. And so he says, because he died then, uh, because he died for all, uh, he says then... The, the purpose of this, or the result of this, is so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so you have to understand right here that, that Paul is saying, Jesus died for you and your death was paid in him, right? And, and so as a result, your life, literally the old life, it's over. It's over. You, you died, the, the you phase of your life died, and now you're in this stage of existence in which the life given to you is life in Christ. And therefore, that life is life that was given by Christ. It belongs to Him. And so we live not for ourselves, but we live for Christ. And so there's this incredible good news, right, that we deserve death, that we deserved uh, God's wrath to be poured out upon us. We deserve to be punished and cut off from Him forever. And Jesus Christ died in our place. And when He died, we died with Him. In our old life, the way that we used to be, where it was all about me and all about what I want, what I'm trying to do, like that, that is over, he says. And so the life you have now is the life for Christ. And so think about this for a minute, right? When you live what you call your life, if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, your life is no longer about you according to Paul in 2 Corinthians 5. And this is, you know, this is, of course, what he said. He said, we know who we are. God has called us to this, right? And so he says, our lives aren't our own. And in fact, your lives aren't your own. So the good news of life in Jesus Christ is that you have a new kind of life. And the reality of this life is that it's not about you. Now consider though when you when you look at your own life, or you look at Christians in general, most of us in the Western world, we look at our We look at our lives as if they belong to us still. And so we pursue the same things as all our coworkers who don't know Jesus. And we love the same things that all our coworkers who don't know Jesus love. And and we spend all our time and our attention and our character is shaped by the world that shapes uh, all of everybody else around us. And we are not actually conformed to the image of Christ. We are living as if our lives still belong to us. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has put a different kind of life in us. So I was talking to a friend actually this morning, and he mentioned that, that he had been uh, talking to a, a pastor in, in Ghana, I believe, um, somewhere in Africa, I forget the, the nation exactly. And he said this pastor had said when, when there was persecution— in, in their country, a bunch of refugees came through and he had this, uh, he just opened his house and he had other Christians living with them because they had no other place to live. Uh, one was a pastor and his wife, and after a while the pastor said, I need to go back to where I'm from, and I need to finish the work God sent me there for." And so this this pastor goes back and they beheaded him, the, the people who are persecuting Christians beheaded him. And then when news came back of that, you know what his wife did? She said, well, I'm going to go back and finish my husband's work. Like, <laughs> everybody's, all the Christians are like, no, no, don't do that. Are you crazy? They'll kill you too. But she just said, this is my calling. This is my husband's calling. This is our calling together, and I'm going to finish that work. If it costs me my life, so be it, right? So here's a woman who doesn't think of herself as belonging to herself. Her life is no no longer for her, but it's for the one who died for her. And therefore, she's going to spend her life doing exactly what God called her to do. Right, and this is a sort of a remarkable contrast, right, to us. And we're like, well, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to do anything too crazy. You know, I still want to be able to have my my you know extra luxuries, my lake home, and my comfortable retirement, and what you know, whatever it might be. I I still want to be able to to spend all of my money on myself, and then when if I have some leftovers, maybe I'll find some generous way to give it. And so uh, we as we as modern American Christians, I think we, we understand the first part of this good news that Jesus died for us, but we, we miss the implication that the life that we now have, because the old life died with Christ, the life that we now have is, it belongs to Jesus. It's his. And so Paul goes on then uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, and he says, uh, From now on, therefore... So since that death happened for us so we live for Christ and not for us he says from now on therefore we regard no one according to the flesh right even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh we regard him thus no longer therefore if any was in, anyone is in Christ he is a he is a new creation right so he says we can't you know we can't even think of our of our uh, fellow believers in the same way the world does. We don't look at them and and see them the way the world does. We don't we used to look at Christ in a certain way. When he gave us life, we saw him in a totally different light. Uh, in everyone who's in Christ, he says, the old them is gone. They're a new creation. We think about people as new creations who are in Christ. Uh, the old has been done away with, has died with Christ, and the new is here. Uh, That's what he says. The old has passed away. Behold, uh, the new has come. And then he says all of this, of course, all of this is from God. And and what did God do? Through Christ, that is through Jesus Christ, his anointed one, God reconciled to us, to himself, and gave us the, the ministry of reconciliation. And this is very important here, this idea of God reconciling us to himself. And I and I just I highlight it because I think this is the heart of where Christians as as religious people start to go wrong. So reconciliation is this repairing of a broken relationship. It is it is the defining characteristic of the good news, which is that we were our relationship with God was broken. When we sin, we're cast out of God's presence. We're His enemies. We're by nature objects of wrath, the Bible tells us. Uh, but that God, while we were separated from Him, while we were still sinners, He sends Christ to die for us so that we can be brought back into relationship with him. And so the good news is not just that your sin is, is paid for and that someday you won't go to hell when you die. The good news, the gospel, is that God, through Jesus Christ, has brought us back into a close relationship with him right? The treasure is God himself. The treasure is not a get-out-of-jail-free cart. The treasure is God himself, and he has reconciled us. He took this broken relationship, and he made it right. And so Christians are the ones who reconcile broken relationships if we share in the love of Christ, right? When our, when our marriages or our families or our friendships or our workplaces, they, they have conflict and they're, they're breaking apart. The the Christian impulse, the love of Christ compels us to go and seek to fix that rift, reconciliation, that God would bring us back together. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the, the calls of the, even this podcast where God has said, Andy, I want you to, to pursue unity in the church. That, that Christians who are fighting against each other, who, who Christ died to reconcile them to me, said, I want you to help reconcile them to each other. To understand the good news is that those relationships which were broken can be fixed. They can be mended they don't have to be destroyed as the world does. You know, the world burns the bridge and runs off and, and, and says, I never want to have anything to do with you again. And God says, I am, I'm going to reconcile people through my, to myself even through the cost of the death of my son, right? And so God then gave us, he gave us the same ministry of reconciliation. He called us to be a part of his same process. And so in Christ... Right? God was reconciling the world, world to himself. God was making things right with himself uh, through Christ. And so he, instead of counting up our trespasses against us, right, he entrusts to us the message of reconciliation. How easy is that, right? How easy is that for us to look at other people and count all the things they've done and, and, and count all their trespasses against us and hold it against them? Uh, How how natural does that sort of come? And yet, the, the good news of Jesus Christ is that's not what God did for us. There's anybody who had a right to count all our wrongdoing and hold it against us. It was God. But God has forgiven us through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, and he calls us to do that same thing. This last uh, Sunday, I was in in church, and the pastor got up and he and he says, um, he says, the greatest power Christians have is the ability to forgive, because God has first forgiven us, and now he can forgive others. And so the the good news is that God has made us right, and then he has given us the same ministry of of repairing broken relationships. And so uh, Paul goes on to say, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ. It is God who makes his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Of course, by this time, Jesus had risen from the grave. He had ascended into heaven. He said, I'm coming back. uh, And and he had entrusted this ministry uh, to his church. Uh, to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and to call people back into relationship with God through Christ. And so Paul says, that's our job on behalf of Christ. What he wants us to proclaim to you is this, be reconciled to God. And that is a huge, I say a huge statement because a lot of the, the battles and, the, and the, the conflicts within the body of Christ, among brothers and sisters who are all reconciled to God through Christ, a lot of those uh, rifts and those arguments come over ways to do ministry or preferences about certain things or, or other points of, of understanding the Scriptures. How do we interpret this passage or that passage? But what Paul says the message is, is be reconciled to God. He says, come and find God himself. And he does not say, we implore you on behalf of Christ, like understand all of these doctrines and interpret your Bibles all in the same way. He doesn't say that. He says, our good news, our, our, our urging of you is to be made right with God. This is why Christ died, to make you right with God. God God didn't send Jesus Christ so that we could have nice church buildings and do religious rituals and try to please God by all the things that we're doing in the right way, with the right words and the right understandings. Uh, the good news is that God said, you were my enemies and now I am bringing you back to myself. And as part of that process, he says, for our sake, that is, uh, you and mine for our sake, right? He made him to be sin. That is God. The first he made him. That is Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus didn't know sin. He never sinned. He lived a sinless life. And so uh, God takes Jesus and he puts him on the cross. He puts our sin upon him. That's what it means. He makes him to be sin or a sin offering uh, so that in him In Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. You know, sometimes it strikes me you have... you have Christians who, who, when they're first saved, they're just so excited that, that now they have peace with God, that they no longer have to fear, be afraid of God's judgment, because they know that they know that they know the Spirit of God has spoken forgiveness and freedom and peace to them. And then somewhere along the line, they, as they start to learn more about the Christian faith, as they, they, as they uh, learn to grow to know more about God, which is a good thing. Somewhere in their head, this, this gear shifts and they start thinking that the point of it all is of, of being a Christian is to get all of our doctrinal points correct. And that, and that somehow to grow in faith means, means to grow with right, all the right answers. It's all, you know, it's almost as if we're going to get to the pearly gates and God's going to say, you know, here's a 300-question test, and if you get 150 of them right, you're in. And if you get 149 wrong uh, or right, uh, too bad, you're out. Uh, but instead, um, what, what is going on here is that uh, what God wants us to do is to be reconciled to Him and to become In Christ, we become the righteousness of God. God cares about our conduct and our character, our words and our speech, our love and our action. God wants us to be people who are like Christ. In fact, that's what the term Christian even means. It's like a little Christ, somebody who is like Christ. And so church if you get wrapped up in your head that the pursuit of God is a is a pursuit of knowledge you will miss the point that the pursuit that the that the point of Christ the gospel the good news is to be made close to God. It is to be reconciled. You were his enemy and Christ died to bring you with him. And now your life isn't your own, but you have the life of Christ in you. And that life of Christ, if you will walk in the Spirit, will grow into the righteousness of God until your very thoughts and your very speech and your very your actions uh, will look like Jesus, that you will grow into the righteousness of God. And so that someday... You know, when when Christ returns or after you die and are resurrected into new life, uh, that you will have a character that is so perfect that you don't bring sin into heaven and destroy the life and the peace and the harmony that is there. Because sin cannot exist without causing pain and destruction and death and so we know in the in the eternal state when we live with god forever what will be true is that no one who is in heaven will sin because sin will have been done away with not just the punishment of of needing to die for your sin that was done on the cross but that god has actually formed us into the righteousness of god and so you can take a minute back and, and step back here Uh, today, and just say this. Remember this, right? Our goal, our desire, the good news is that God has reconciled us to himself. He has made us new creations, and now his desire for us is that we wouldn't live for ourselves, but that we would live for Christ, and so that all of us might become the righteousness of God. And if you're tempted in your own understanding of Christianity and what it means to be a Christian or grow as a Christian, if you're tempted to think of that in terms of knowledge and understanding versus relationship and character, come back to the gospel. Come back to the good news. Yes, indeed, God has revealed many things to us by his word, through his spirit. Right, There are many things that are great to know and to learn about God, but the point is to love God, to be close to Him, to be transformed by Him, and to walk in His righteousness. And the good news, the best news of all, is that that is actually possible and attainable because Jesus Christ died so that our old sinful self could die with Him and we could be reconciled to God. God bless you, church. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Understand what his work was. Uh, And in this way, you will grow not only in, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would be able to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, because that's what Jesus did, and that's what he has put in us. God bless you. We'll see you back here again next time on the Apostles mailbox.